Hello. Hey. Bing bong. You ready to go? What's happening? I guess so. (laughs) What are we doing? (laughs) I don't know. That's the best thing about this show. (laughs) Can you guess what chocolate I'm eating? What chocolate? Some cereal. Smells like chips. Smells like chips. Sounds like chips. Hmm. What is it? It's um, crunchy. Oh, crunchy, yes. Yeah, oh, I've had crunchy for ages. You know what I like about crunchies? It's got like the hard side and the the soft side. Hmm. I don't love the hard side so much. I wish it was just all soft side somehow. I think I prefer you know, violet like, crumble. Oh, they're pretty much the same, aren't they? No. That start a big argument with someone. <laughs> Crunchy's like, I don't know, crunchy always tastes a bit stale to me or something, whereas violet crumble seems more fresh. I don't know why. Oh, I've noticed the honeycomb in violet crumble has got a bit different taste too. I think it might be a bit more artificial bit taste because it just tastes stronger. I don't know. Yeah, violet crumble's a bit harder as well. It can hurt your teeth if you don't get it in the right way. Mm. <laughs> or your gums. Yeah, look out. That's what she said. Oh. <laughs> you ready? I guess so. I hope you've got a list of things you want to talk about because I haven't thought about anything. I, I just wrote down like five things like two minutes ago. <laughs> just like I've got like eight words written down and that's it. I bet you like one of them do... is Prince. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> how did you guess that? Uh, I'm just eating chocolates. It'll be, it'll be like that for the first five, ten minutes or so. Recording, recording. There it is. Okay, Stephen, guess this one. Ooh, harder. harder. Could be a Twix, but Twix isn't that hard. I mean, harder to hear. Uh, once you told me it was crunchy, I'm like, oh, of course it's crunchy. Oh, it doesn't sound like Picnic. That's hard to guess. I mean, <laughs> that should be the new show. Guess the chocolate bar. <laughs> That'd be a great show. <laughs> I don't eat that much chocolate anymore. I try to limit. It's only Christmas because it's all the Christmas stuff just left over. Uh, you got like the little ones? Yeah, it's like someone gave me a thing of favorites. So it's all the, those little the ones. Snack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're okay. But like a full size anything like Mars bar or a crunchy, like the normal size in a supermarket, I get mm. like a third halfway through and I'm like, that's enough. Mm. That's enough of this super sweet thing. I used to be so sorry about yeah. it. I used to have like every meal, breakfast, lunch and dinner, as soon as I'd had the main meal, I'd have like something sweet, like chocolate or something. Ooh. I've cut back heaps the last year or so. Oh, your teeth are like that. I just started getting yeah. putting on weight and then, yeah. Like anyone would notice when you're bloody that tall. <laughs> when I was at school, like primary school, like every day it was like Mars bars and twisties and just like just shit. Like I never even ate like sandwiches for lunch. It was just garbage. Cream buns from the bloody canteen, vanilla yep. slice, just any rubbish. Because that's when everything cost like 50 cents or a dollar. And I'd go to school with five bucks and just shove yep. shit in my face every day for years. I think I, I ate some- enough crap for the rest of my life. <laughs> It's still still digesting, just yeah. bubbling in there. It, it's still in there. God, I, I used to take a can of Milo to school with a spoon <laughs> and sit there and eat that shit. And oh, that what is I not do. a joke. <laughs> like I you can do that about, at home, but I used to take this bloody thing to school. It's ridiculous. I reckon for a period of about two years, probably like grade eight and nine, every afternoon I'd come home and I'd fill up like a milkshake size container with milk and then like literally six tablespoons of malt. Yeah. Like to the point where it's literally just thick, gooey malt. <laughs> I just looked back and I was like, that must have been so unhealthy. I remember going to the, the takeaway shop, milk bar, and I don't know how long it lasted, probably not that long, but someone at school had said, you've got to try this. Go to the milk bar and you order a, uh, like a milkshake or a thick shake, but this is what flavor you get. It's chocolate, strawberry, and caramel all together. <laughs> <laughs> So I tried that for, I don't know, I probably had it like less than 10 times and it was interesting, but yeah, it's not, wasn't the best thing Are you sure it wasn't like, um, you, you remember the, the rainbow paddle pops and it was all oh, like they, rainbow swirly colors. And that was, it wasn't that, until, was, that was a favorite. But like 
as a kid, you think, oh, every different color has a little flavor. And you could swear you could taste the different flavors as you're like licking this. Oh, as I just had a blue. You realize, There's a blue. Yeah, it's just like, it's just caramel. Someone's like, you know, that's just caramel. I'm like, what? You're ruining my childhood dreams. <laughs> I think this whole thing has to be part of the show. <laughs> yeah, it's your show. Chuck it in. <laughs> okay, I got one. This is the last one. You might not even hear this one. Oh, it's a bit subby. Subby. Hmm. Oh, it's not Moro. That would sound. It sounded hard though. No, that's just standard dairy milk chocolate. Ah, uh, just the plain. Yeah. Mm. Best one. Save that one for last. I know there's Moro in one of those boxes, and it's like the only place you get it. Like you don't see it any. You can't buy mm. it in the supermarket. It's only in like yeah. those little magic boxes of stuff. Mm. And it's sort of like a Mars bar, but it's not as good. It's like a dark Mars Mars bar, isn't it? It's it's sort of a cross between a Mars bar and like a Milky Way. I don't know. It's. It's weird. See, Milky Way, that's a good size little chocolate. Mm. Bigger than like the snack that's size the that come in the, the packs, but it's just a standard size. It's a good little size. Yeah, when you're, I remember when you're they like used a five-year-old, Milky Way is like, yeah. it's your standard, your standard weight of chocolate. They used to have- You got more have, than that, awesome. You got less than that, you feel you feel ripped off. Yeah. I remember there was, they had banana flavor for a while. They had strawberry. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they had, I'm sure they had caramel. I remember they had like a white um, one. It was like reverse. I don't know. Ooh, I don't remember that. Something like it was like a lighter one or something, a light Milky Way. Ooh. I don't know. Every time I see like a new chocolate bar, I just think it's just a gimmick to give you less chocolate with more shitty stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, chocolate's not as good as it used to be. Everyone knows that. Mm. It's funny. They, um, I just saw on Facebook the other day, someone put a picture of a row of chocolate bars and like at the front row, like at the front of the shelf on the supermarket shelf and all like the first two or three chocolate like blocks had like just melted over the front of the <laughs> shelf because it was that hot. And this yeah. is the Australian Cadbury chocolate, which or they put crap in that to give it a higher or lower melting temperature because it's hotter here. Like the ones mm. in England will melt when it's like 15 degrees. <laughs> but here yeah. they've got like some chemical thing in them to have a, you know, a different melting temperature. So it was 46 here yesterday in Melbourne. So wow. I can understand. No chocolate's going to last that long. That might get Wasn't to 30. Like, um- wasn't it like crazy? Someone sent me a link today saying hottest day in Melbourne in five years, followed by like a sudden cool or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It dropped from 41 to 21 in like about half an hour. It was crazy. Wow. And like Mildura's had like five days over 40 in the last <laughs> week. And I think they've had about 15 days over 35. It's just crazy up there. I really reckon sometimes I think it's hotter down south than it is up here. Like Brisbane, I reckon the last few years... People are always complaining about the heat, but like the last few years, I don't think it's in that Christmas week. I don't think it's as big yeah. as hot as it. I think it t- tends to get hotter like February. That's like that's when it really starts yeah. to kill. But like late December, early January there. hasn't been too bad. Yeah, you get the humidity up there, but I think yeah, like Melbourne, Adelaide, they get some insane like forty degree, and it's not just one day. Like Sydney, you'll get one day, maybe two over thirty five in a row, and then that's it. It's gone. But like Melbourne and Adelaide seem to get like. Here's like six days over 35 and it's just like, what? And there's something about the positioning of it. Like it just sits there. This heat just comes from wherever and it just stops and sits there and nothing blows it away. So you just die until something changes. (laughs) I recorded a podcast yesterday with Seth and it was just, I had to turn off the aircon and the fan because I'm right next to both of them and it was too noisy. Yeah. Like I cooled the roof down. How often do you do shows with him? That's the first one I've done in like a year. I just did that did that one with player like a week ago, well, a week and a half ago. And you're a machine. But it's I'm only doing this now because I'm leaving like next week. Okay. So I'm just trying to sm- I'm just trying to smash a couple out now. So then Where are you going again? The, when are you getting back? I don't know where I'm going. Oh, you're going on a another choose your own another adventure. Ju- another journey, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I had six months, six months away, and now we're going again. I've been working on an apple farm. That's fun. Yeah. Did that for five weeks, six weeks. Next week's the last thing. And that would have been pretty Not hot, bad. I imagine. Are you just picking apples? Is that what you're doing? Or yeah? Well, we're thinning apples. <laughs> What's because that mean? there's a there's them? like a million apples on a tree, but they only want like 50 apples on the tree. Okay. So and there's a bunch of like 15 apples. You've got to leave like one or two. Really? Okay. You're so what's just, the idea behind everything that? Else, everything else just gets pulled off and chucked on the ground. Oh. Because the tree can only, the tree's only got like so much energy to feed so many apples. Yeah. And the more, if you just left it, you'd get loads of apples. But then the, the guy said, 
then next year you wouldn't get a single apple on the tree. The tree's just dead. Okay. It'll take okay. a year or two to recover. So you pull off just all the extra stuff and you just leave like the best ones. And it's crazy. I never knew anything about it. No, I just assumed they, you pick the apples and you put them in your basket and take them to the farmer. Yeah. And- <laughs> Well, this guy, he reckons it cost him, he's, he's got a pretty big farm, but he, he reckons he's going to spend about 70000 like paying us, doing the thinning, then an, at least another seventy grand to pick. So, mm. you know, before it even gets to the bloody supermarket or wherever, he's already spent like almost one hundred and fifty grand. Mm. just costs. So you just think, how much are they paying for the apples then? It's crazy. Yeah. And like um, my understanding And then you go to the like- supermarket and an apple's like three or four bucks a kilo and you're like, oh, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> And like uh, Coles and Woolies, you know, they have like pretty high standard in terms of what they, they won't just yeah. accept anything. They've got like, you've got to have certain measurements and, you know, yep. radiance and all this sort of stuff. And Yeah, he said there, he said he does sell to some either Coles or Woolies and he said they've actually just increased their standards even more. So they're getting mm. really picky. It's just crazy. Ah, uh-huh, picky. Uh, okay, ready? Start the show. Yeah. <laughs> you have theme music? Hello. I'll make oh, the theme I'll, music. I'll, 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 I'll take a year and a half to do it. <laughs> No, I'll shoot the duck's gotta be the theme music. Bring it on. Shoot the duck. Shoot the duck. Hello, this is episode 23 of Captain Says. I have a guest from the Peach and Black podcast, the only one who hasn't been on this show yet. You ready? The Introduce last man yourself standing. right now. Who are you? Go. My name is Toe Jam. Am I calling myself Toe Jam or my real name? Am I revealing that secret? Oh God, no! no all, all the crazy will people be, will come. It will remain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're here finally. I'm here. You've been trying to get me on this show for three years. I don't know. I don't even know how long this show's been going. It was funny. The last episode I did with Player, it was just we recorded it just after Christmas, and I'm like, oh, let's do an end of year wrap up thing. And I'm like, oh, and he's like, wasn't I on the last episode? It was 11 months before that, <laughs> the last episode. Wow. I just was busy. Agent Blake well, takes a lot of time doing editing. <laughs> I'm glad you finally caved to my demands and you put that money in my account for me to be on the show. Yeah, no, it's all there. Appreciate it's that. all there. <laughs> all the money's there. So I have no idea what we're going to talk about, except it, there'll be music and Prince and religion. That's that's the three things I can think <laughs> of. I thought, what do you want to talk to me about? I'm, that's exactly the three things. I thought you'd, you'd want to talk to me about. <laughs> so, James, three obsessions. Yeah. So we are, well, we are each one quarter of the Peach and Black podcast. That's a podcast about Prince for anybody who doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so technically we might be half of the podcast, but I think we're probably, I think we're both worth more than 25%, don't you think? We're probably like well, 60% of the show, 70, uh, 80. Well, if you're talking... The time that I put into that show, I'm like eighty percent. Yeah, you're you're definitely it's crazy. It's it's I'm just stupid. It's crazy. Anyway, well, what about? Uh, I remember trading bootlegs with you. Probably, oh, I don't know what this means. <laughs> this allegedly, like, allegedly, I don't know. Maybe four or five years before the podcast started. So, like two thousand four. Yeah, probably like around that. the Aussie tour. Yeah, a bit before, a bit after. I think it might have even been before because I sort of like. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But I remember I was, seeing you about on all the forums yeah. and you were like one of the go-to guys. Ooh, was I now? <laughs> <laughs> I was heavily into that like probably from about 2002 to four, I'd say. Yeah. Like this is when I'd be sending, you'd have a show, just say the show has 10 tracks using like AIM, I think it was like AOL Instant Messenger. He'd send one file, one MP3 file. Mm at like upload speed of like 4K per second. It'd be like an hour for like a single track. So I'd sit there, I'd sit there uploading a file and I'd just be chatting away on the messenger like for like two or at least two hours and you'd just be sending like a few files and then you'd continue another day. It's just insane. Yeah. Yeah, and I think probably... Yeah, 2000 to like 2008, nine around there. Like that was that was the era of just bootlegs. Oh, they're going to say like uh, snail you know, you could, speed. <laughs> you, you, you couldn't download everything. Like you'd try to download. And, you know, as the years got more and more, the download speeds got faster and it got easier just to download stuff. But like in that period where you could download some stuff, but then you really realistically you couldn't download it all. So you'd end up signing up to these trading trees and you know you get it from someone then you copy it send it on to someone else and all this and it's so crazy looking back on it it's like really that that's what i spent a good chunk of my life doing so <laughs> i remember now they all the just tree. sit there they just sit there and it's like i got all these cds this massive log of cdrs that are probably all crumpled up now and <laughs> you should 
you should go through them. <laughs> oh yeah, I did. I what? did probably like five years ago. I put them all on the hard drive, just MP3. Didn't even bother with the web or anything. It, it took me about, I don't know, about three years, I think, to digitize everything I had. Because, mm. you know, when there's like six, 700 discs and it, it just takes forever. It just took, like you just, I'd come over work and I'd do a few like every every night and it just took years. It was just crazy. There's too much stuff. And I've listened Maybe. to hardly any of it. <laughs> Really? Yeah, you'd like you'd listen to it when you first get it because you'd hear, oh, you have to hear this version. Someone said there's a really good guitar solo or something happens in this song. You just got to hear it. Got to hear you that moment. To a it's couple of different. Check the quality. Yeah, yeah. Like, yep, okay, I'll, I'll listen to that one day. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. It's gonna start getting to the point where it just becomes overwhelming, and and you're downloading all this stuff and getting all these CDs, and you, you literally just do not have time in the day to listen to it. So you end up you, exactly what you said. You just quickly skip through. Oh yeah, cool, cool, cool. Next, like you don't even listen. And at that yeah. point, it's like, why am I even bothering? Like, don't listen to it. One day I will listen to the 11th of January 1996 show in Japan. One day I'll get to that. I probably have listened to. It, I just don't remember. But one day. Hmm. I'll be like, that's the one I'm going to listen to. Yeah. But the thing is, when they become available, you have to get it because a lot of stuff just yeah. disappears mm. and it's getting a lot easier than it used to be. There's like, there's websites with just many, many things on there and you can just go there and go, oh, I want this and it's there. But it yeah. did that, didn't used to be that way. Yeah. You remember what would happen? Like someone would create some forum and everyone would sign up to it. And then within like three weeks, it'd be, it'd, you just go on there and it'd be gone. Like <laughs> either the person <laughs> gave up on it or, um, you know, they got some nasty emails from someone and then there'd be like a few weeks on it and someone else would start up a new one. Or like every time you go in there, it'd be like, someone's starting this new one, someone's starting this new one. <laughs> and you had to be in them all just in case. You thought, you know, in case this one falls, I've got to be in that one just in case. Oh God, the olden days, what happened? The internet was the best and worst thing hmm. to happen to bootlegs, I think. It's the best thing because you can download everything very fast now. Internet's much better than it used to be. There's a lot more stuff available than there used to be. But then you've lost think, all those interaction things like having a, a tree and somebody yeah. gets a CD in the mail and they copy it and then they send it on to the next person. Yeah, exactly. That, and like, that, you know, that was fun. And a lot of those people become friends like you guys on the podcast. And like there's still people like, you know, I'm connected to on Facebook or something because they were in, they were in around that time you know, doing all that, all that trading and everything. So it becomes like a family network. Do you, do you remember Sanity Free? Yes. <laughs> well, that was I basically, do. it's up to you if you want to keep this in the show, but that was basically where the four of us got together to do this podcast. Because I think there might've been like 20 people on there at maybe something like that. Yeah, and then there were really only maybe 10 that was sort of really, you know, constantly trading. And um, I know there was one guy who I still can't remember who he was. And he always used to bloody take everything and he never offered anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then not that long ago, someone said, oh, that's this guy. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, it was funny. I think I know who you're talking about. I won't say it. So, um, <laughs> but that's fine. He, but he didn't have anything to offer. So what are you going to yeah, do? Yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah was so that's like, basically where the four of us there. got together. Yeah. Because it was basically like the four of us plus maybe four or five other people that were sort of on there regularly. And it, I always, I always imagine exists. like... If it still exists, yeah, maybe there's like a whole was... other bootleg circuit there. Like someone else, <laughs> someone else over came and, and took it over. <laughs> All those other guys are still there, going, "Oh, do you remember what happened? Happened to those other guys?" Nah, it doesn't come up anymore. I remember MC put a post up there saying, "Oh, who's who's keen to do a podcast?" And I think it was literally like the three of us were the first ones to reply to it. And I think Done. that was it, you know. And I think. Um, <laughs> Just imagine like if someone else had have said yes or someone else had have said no or something. Like who knows what would have happened with the show. I think we did pretty well. Like uh, it took us a couple of episodes listening back to some of those early ones. Like uh, we're a bit stilted, but I think I think it really started to come together when, you know, between you and MC. Like because MC just could yeah. not handle the fact that you had a very different opinion on things. And uh, <laughs> he, he would let you know it and you'd let him know it. And I think, um, you know, Player and I were kind of just sniggering in the background a lot of the time. This is just gold, like hearing some of this stuff. And it still is. It still well, is like that. When, when, when you two start going at it, that's, that to me is like, that's the funnest time of the show. Well, And like occasionally, know. you know, the three of us will gang up on Player or, or the, the other three will gang up on MC. It's always three against one or, or, you know, two against two. It's kind of cool. It's usually us three against MC or you three against me. And I think that's yeah. the most common one. Yeah. It's pretty rare that we, we gang up on Player now that I think about it. I can't think of a, an example off the top of my head. I can definitely think of examples when we gang up on Rob. I can definitely think of examples where you guys have ganged up on me. I can think of examples where we've ganged up on you, but I can't think of a specific one that where the three of us have ganged up against Player. Well, 
he never really slams a track. No, he's pretty forgiving. He's, he's always pretty polite. But yeah, if there's something that's really rubbish, I'm, I'm not going to just go, oh, it's okay. <laughs> oh, that's there. Yeah, it's all fun. 10 years. It's 10 years. That's crazy, isn't it? We've done a decade. That is insane. I was literally driving home the other day and I was thinking, oh, wow, it's 2019. And it hit me like, holy shit, it's 10 years since Lotus Flower. Like, yep. I cannot believe that. To me, that's still like a recent thing. <laughs> Oh, that's a long time ago to me. That's my brain. Yeah, and then you start thinking about it and you're like, oh, yeah, it is 10 years, you know, because then this happened, this happened, this, this. Like, but yeah, I don't know. Because I just had that sense like, oh, yeah, Lotus Flower is still kind of this one of those recent Prince albums. It's like it's 10 years ago now. Oh, and it's only going to get, oh, it's just going to be weirder now that there's not going to be any more new albums. It's just going to be like estate release things, which yeah. who knows what era they're going to be coming from. It's just going to be weird from now on. Yeah. Like in 30 years, you'll be looking back and you'll be like, because, you know, if just say, just say, it'll never happen. But just say in three months, the estate released like a love sexy rehearsal unheard. I know there's a bunch out there, but just there was an unheard one and it's great. Just say they put that out. You're not going to file that in your on your shelf under, you know, 2019. It's going straight into 1988. So it's just going to be weird. Well, see, I remember, um, you know, I'm bored in the early 80s and I remember like you'd go to a record store or a CD shop or something and there'd just be loads of like Beatles compilation, like the best of the Beatles and this mm. stuff with the Beatles. And it wasn't until like I was, you know, well and truly an adult where I actually looked back and I go, oh, this is the actual albums that they released when they were around. All this other stuff is just like, you know, compilations and stuff after they've already broken up. And it mm. it's certainly like, I think you can appreciate the artists more when you actually look at the albums consecutively when they were released Rather than sort of oh, just yeah. being brought up in this era, like where they've already sort of split up or died, and and all you hit, you're just seeing compilations and best ofs and this sort of thing, and you're not really seeing it all in context. And that's the thing, with, like with Prince now as well. Like imagine over the next 20, 30 years, they're going to just release all, all this stuff. You know, slow one year they'll release. I'll get through all the um, re-releasing the official stuff first. I'm sure they'll milk that as much as they can, and then they'll start getting into bonus discs or whatever whatever the equivalent is then, and all this other stuff. And and it'll it'll be hard for someone being sort of say born now by the time they're twenty. Oh yeah, sort of see if they want to go and collect the original albums and everything. Yeah. It'll be hard to put it all back together, you know? Yeah. I just said to a player this afternoon, like they're just re-releasing, you know, Musicology and uh, what, 3121 and Planet Earth or something. And Rave. On vinyl CD. It's not remastered. They're just putting it out. It's a re-release. And then, you know, in a few years, they're going to release remasters. And then a couple yeah. of years after that, they're going to release the bonus disc with all the extra, the, the outtakes and the, the B-sides and everything. Yeah. So they're going to like take at least three bites of every cherry, every album. Absolutely. It's going to be just a mess. Oh. Uh, yeah, it will be. But I mean, that's just, it's inevitable, isn't it? I mean, because from a business point of view, to not do that is the mistake, you know, from a business, purely a business point of view, to not milk it for as much as you can. Yeah, I get releasing all the post-Warner albums because like every other album was with a different label and most of them are out of print. So yeah, yeah, re-release them. But again, they could have just gone straight for a remaster because that guarantees everyone's going to buy it. Every Prince fan's going to buy a remaster. They're not just going to buy a re-release of a CD, which they already have. Yeah, Straight away, they've cut out a big section of the market because everyone's going to like, well, I've already got Rave on CD. So why would I I buy this again? Uh, It's like, it was like that forever release. I'll I'll, (laughs) I'll, I'll be a sucker. Don't don't worry about that. (laughs) I will not. I said before, I have been fully cured of the the affliction of collecting for several years now, and I'm very happy to be a recovering <laughs> addict or whatever the words you want to use. I just, it's I don't care It's certainly harder anymore. now I'm these not days buying stuff that I already have. And it's certainly harder. I would love to buy, like I always used to buy an album a week, you know, something a week. And, you know, you yeah. listen to it that week, you'd open the booklet up, you'd read through it and all this and... And you got something from it, but it's sort of harder to justify doing that now. It's like, oh, why do I want to spend 15 bucks, 20 bucks when it's, you know, I can just stream it, find it on YouTube, whatever. It's just, it's hard to justify paying for CDs and stuff now. Well, I mean, it's been CD like that for a while. Is a, CDs are dying medium and it has been for a while, but everything's yeah. still released on CD for now. Yeah. But like, I don't either, think it'll last either. much longer. Yeah, like Eda's I mean, every album, time I go to JB Hi-Fi, the CD section's smaller and smaller and smaller. Getting smaller, so. yeah. Like Eda's new album just came out at the start of January, and I listened to it on Spotify. And I know that mm. means she's going to get like 12 cents, if that. Maybe I'll just play it 10 more times and she might get a bit more money. 
but hmm. I don't want a physical CD anymore. Yeah, that I just don't comes, come need from. it. <laughs> like that's the other thing that I've, apart from getting rid of collecting things, I've started just getting rid of stuff. It's just stuff that I don't need. I don't need. 700 cds sitting on the shelf i just don't need it i don't use them they dust on them i haven't touched them for years everything's Mm. in the hard drive now so why are they just sitting there and it's so hard to get rid of them because every cd costs between 15 and 30 dollars or even more in some cases so you look at that and you're like how many tens of thousands of dollars just sitting there and it's worthless now because cds are worth not even a dollar it's so sad. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think um, some of the, do you still have any of your Prince albums, like that sort of stuff? I've still got all the official standard albums. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I can't any, see myself ever selling those those kind of things. But anything that was term. worth money, I've sold. Yeah. Like I mean, I'm all thinking the collectible stuff, all of that stuff is just long gone. Like I spent probably most of 20... I'd say 2015 to 2017, just slowly, just yeah. selling stuff and just getting rid of it because people wanted it and I wanted to get rid of it. So it was perfect deal for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I've got all that. And I, and I think I, like, I think I did it at the right time as well because now they're re-releasing stuff. Yeah. Like when I could sell the Rainbow Children CD for 65 bucks and I had like about five of them and mm-hmm. people were willing to pay that much money, then bang, deal, deal done. But if they're going to re-release that, then it's going to be worth 20 bucks. But then may, may, then again, actually. maybe the originals will still be worth more. But who knows? Who knows what it's going to do to the market of Prince collectible things once they start re-releasing those things again? I don't know. Yeah, it, it's it's difficult to know, isn't it? Because surely the market for those really, really hardcore fans, like, you know, there'll be less and less of them with every single year. Well, like an original Black album is always going to sell for like, at least twenty grand. That's just that's that's done. Twenty grand. It's never gonna. That's never gonna change. Twenty grand. That's crazy. I'm sure the last one I read sold for about twenty six thousand or something. That's and I'm like, insane. look, if people want to pay that, f- fine. And do you remember reading about maybe a year ago, some guy in I don't know Germany or somewhere was cleaning out his garage, and he used to work at Warner's like in 1987. He had a box of just stuff that he just packed up when he finished working there. And he had like, I think, five sealed like vinyl copies of the Black Album, like original pressings, because he knew that they were going to be destroyed. And he just grabbed a bunch one day, walked out. And Well, I hope that happens with my... I never um, followed the auction, but I'm sure he made hmm. some nice money. I hope that happens with my uh, 21 Nights books, because I remember they they were really cheap there at one point. You know, they all the bookstores bought them. Uh, yep. And then within six months, they're all like, this thing isn't selling. And they like... One one week he'd come in there like ten bucks, and I remember like oh ten bucks. I grabbed like three of them for this this very purpose. Yeah. And then like the following week, it was like something Five ridiculous. <laughs> like it was literally like two for seven dollars. I think that's what it was, two yeah. for seven. And I'm like, and I, I bought like four or five of them with the idea of I'm going to sell these things. So I hope that happens. Maybe they're just sitting in a box somewhere. So maybe in twenty years time. I got, you know, sealed copies of the 21 Nights book that no one wanted. I bought one or two because, yeah, they were crazy prices. Actually, I think in, I've pretty much got everything from Musicology onwards. I've got every album on a CD sealed. Like I've got the copy that I use myself and then yeah. I've got an, a sealed copy. A sealed one and as it well. Was purely bought for that reason of this could be a one day at some point. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not. Like, even stuff like um, Larry Graham. I got Larry Graham's Raise Up. You know that album he put out? Oh, uh, yeah. I got a sealed copy of that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have the new power pack? Yes. Ooh. Uh, not sealed, though. I have, that's not sealed, but I've got the the pack, the box that it came with. Yeah. Is that worth something now, is it? I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> Possibly. Was it ever? <laughs> <laughs> but you're not you're not like super crazy you don't have like no, you don't have musical- i don't collect like, stuff now i don't like look online or anything i've just got stuff i, I see that i see the people like just say musicology they've got the cassette they've got the vinyl they've got the cd they've got the digipack cd they've got the jewel case cd yeah, they've got ridiculous. a different copy of the vinyl they've got a sealed copy and an unsealed copy they've got but then then they've got all of that from each country. Yeah. Like here's all the Mexican ridiculous. pressings of musicology. And, and they're all the all same. The American like, pressings. What's... And when I say the same, it's not just that the music's the same. It's like, it's the same. <laughs> it looks like it's come from the same factory. It's like, what is it that's yep. different? It's just like, it's a just got a sticker. It's got a sticker. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that, that's, that's ridiculous. That stuff. Like I say, I mean, it's I'd ridiculous. Just, I'd buy stuff and when I never, it turned up. <laughs> I never like, went I remember that far. just going through a, <laughs> going through like a secondhand store and finding like a box of probably like 20 Prince cassettes, cassette tapes. And I just bought it because it was like 10 bucks or something. Yeah. So like I've got good stuff like that. 
that is probably worth something. But I never like really went out of my way to buy collectible stuff. Other than like when an album would come out, I'd buy a sealed copy. So. Uh, there was so many, it was so much fun going to record stores and buying. Like I remember I found the promo CD of Exodus. Yeah. The Australian one on like Edel or Shock, Shock Records or whatever it was. And the only difference between that and every other release in the world was there was like, there was some line in there where there was swearing and every other copy had a tiny edit on that section <laughs> that the Australian copy didn't. And I ended up trading that for something. I can't remember. But of course, I still had a copy of it. I can't remember the line. It's something, you know, that somewhere in Exodus, there's like, oh, same way I saw your mama last night or something. And Sonny's like, fuck yeah, yeah. that shit or something. <laughs> there's like a little sort of fade on yeah, every yeah. other copy of that. But on the Australian <laughs> promo copy, it wasn't. <laughs> and it's yeah, like... Yeah. And it was a really cool disc. It was like a big it was a purple disc with um it was almost like the symbol album limited edition one. I don't like oh, it was a cool disc. Anyway, uh the good old days. I remember I, I actually remember like discovering years later, like probably mid two thousands, after that there was an Australian single of sexy MF or something that didn't it was like an, a censored one. It didn't have the you know, so it was like you sexy mother ow! and it has that uh, yeah. sound effect to cover it up. And I remember I specifically yep. went out on a way to find that. And I remember getting it, listening to it and thinking, oh, cool. But was this really worth the hassle of tracking this thing down? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Am I ever going to listen to this again? <laughs> God, I remember the, um, I remember when the My Name is Prince CD single was coming out. And, you know, you'd go into the, in the olden days, you'd go into the music shop, the CD shop, and they'd have like all the release dates in a little catalog thing. And yeah. they'd be and they'd be like, yeah, here it is, you know, coming out on the, the 25th or whatever it is. Yeah. So we should have it like on that day or the next day. So, you know, you'd be in there like every day. Is it here yeah. yet? Is it here yet? You go in the morning, you'd go in the afternoon. Is it mm. here yet? Uh, I, and I the remember guy yesterday told me to be here today. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, it was fun. I remember my um, Gee, dad has to... always collected DVDs. Like since the DVDs came out, it's just like he's collecting DVDs and he's still doing it. It's like he still buys them. It's like it's over. You know, DVDs are way over. <laughs> <laughs> does he watch um, them? Yeah, he does. Yeah. But probably three out of every five he'll buy, he'll watch three of them, you know. Uh, oh, that's okay. But yeah, I, I remember like he would go to the like JB Hi-Fi and he'd collect, he'd get the little printout of when everything's being released and he'd go through mm. and highlight every single one of, oh, I'm going to get yep. this one. I'm, get I'm this getting one. that. I'm getting that. <laughs> God, that's what I used to do with the TV guide in the olden days. Mm. Get the Sunday paper, sit there with the pen, circle all the things I'm going to watch or record on the VHS tape. <laughs> I haven't oh, watched Star Trek's on at 10.30 tonight. I'll be setting the timer <laughs> to record that on my videotape. Yeah, yeah. oh, I yeah. haven't watched commercial TV in ages. Probably State of Origin. That's probably the last time I watched commercial TV. God. I've been watching it the last five or six weeks because the place I'm staying, that's all there is. And oh my God, previous to being here, I haven't seen ads since about 2008. Hmm. So it's driving me insane. Like I've still got my laptop and I've got all my shows on a hard drive to watch, but anything that's on TV uh, just drives me mental. I can't imagine like a few things to watch, but it's just awful. Their ratings must, they must just be plummeting really. Because like everyone's got Netflix now, Netflix or Stan or or some streaming service. Everyone's got YouTube there right in front of them. It's like their ratings, like I can't imagine it must be like a third of what they had, say, even just 10 years ago. I reckon it must have dropped that much, surely. I find it hard to see pretty much anyone like under 30 watching TV. You know what I reckon the highest rating channel would be? This is just my guess. I reckon it would be that kids ABC one. Because, oh, yeah. you know, parents will just turn it on yep. with the kids in the afternoon, that sort of thing. But yeah, I don't know. Let's see, that, that's who's watching. That's who's watching. It's like the opposite ends of the spectrum. It's kids up to like... 10 and then it's like people over 60 who don't yeah they, they, they don't know the internet they just they watch the tv the like they always have <laughs> no and yeah. and a lot of them are just like no nah, it's not happening don't yeah. even try like i've tried <laughs> with some elderly relatives and it's just no nah, <laughs> it's that's not happening oh you just sit there with the blasting ads oh man it is so horrible anyway let's finish on that like also you know back when i was a kid you had five channels you know and nowadays even on commercial tv there's 70 commercial channels you know 100 commercial channels and again just with that so you've got a viewership that must just be continually plummeting and just an influx of all these channels like i can't imagine what to see Channel 7's ratings like 10 years, 10, 15 years ago compared to now. Oh, yeah. Nothing. Yeah, you want to see a chart of just, say, all commercial channels in the last 20 years and just look at it going down. That'd be interesting. Oh, 
Anyway, look, this is what we did. When MC was here, when Play was here, we talked about the early years. I love the, the early years. I'm sure you've probably already talked about this in like um some podcast, Picture Black, Symbolic Beginnings or something. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, okay. Well, that was the that would have been just the print stuff probably though. But what when did you first realize music? How old were you? And you're like, Oh, that's good. I don't know what it is, but it's good. Um, Do you remember what it was? I actually, I actually have a couple of memories. Two memories. One of them is like we had like an acoustic piano, and I remember just like pressing the piano, putting my ear right up to the piano, and I remember doing the same thing with a guitar at like a cousin's place or something. They had a guitar, and just like plucking the string and putting it right up to my ear and hearing it vibrate. And I actually remember like I'm kind of getting goosebumps thinking about it and just thinking like that's really cool. Like it must have been. I don't know how old I was. Somewhere between two and seven, somewhere in there, somewhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember, like because I started doing piano lessons when I was like five. Um, like I'd probably actually maybe four, like tagging along with my older brother. And, um, yeah, so I don't know, like I sort of remember just always loving music and like, um, my dad was always playing records, like Hollywood musicals, this kind of thing. I was just, Ooh, yeah. Music was just always there. And then, you know, playing piano. And I remember like kind of thinking, Oh yeah, like, I like this. I'm pretty good at it. And then like, I remember like there was another kid in the class who also did piano lessons and it was kind of like, you know, I've got to be better than him. I've got to be better. <laughs> <laughs> and like that kind of thing, you know, you know, at the end of the year concert, like, Oh, we get Adam and Scott to come up and play some piano stuff. It's like, I've got to make sure I'm better than him. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Be uh, I, competition. I had some, did you, do you play by ear or did you, obviously you learned music, but can you play by ear? Oh yeah. 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 I play by ear heaps better than I can read. Like my reading. Yeah on piano is pretty average, even for someone who's done a music degree. <laughs> like, um, like I can read anything on trumpet, which is a single line. If it's a single line, it's, it's no worries, no problems. I can start read it, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, piano, like I still like have to think, oh shit, like 10 fingers at once to try and read this thing. Just can't keep up. But some people just do it, you know, it's crazy. I've never been able to get close to that with sight reading on piano. So it's all just yeah, most I, of it. Yeah. see people on YouTube, but they like play piano. I, that's something, again, I, I'll never be able to do that. Well, there's just the, sit there and just play it as you're reading the page for the first yeah, time. That just blows my that's mind. Amazing. Yeah, that that's amazing. The insane thing, like it's one thing to play. But by to so ear. many people, that's just the thing that they can do. Yeah, obviously they learn to do it, but once they learned it, that's it. It's just simple for them. And we're like, that's the most amazing thing ever. That's crazy. I know. It's like I remember um doing my like end of year recital things at uni. And you always had to have a, you know, well, you generally had to have an accompanist or something. So you'd hire the, you know, you'd pay this guy. He was like 60 and he was the go-to guy that everyone would hire just to sight read the music pretty much on the day, you know, while playing along with you. Mm. And just be like, this guy would just be sight reading pretty hard stuff. Like, you know, like university level um, duets, like just on the fly and just like, damn, that's crazy. Never been able to get that. Mm. Um, but then you've, but yeah, like, so you've got people who can sight read, but then you've got, You've got us people who can play by ear. They're probably looking at us like a song yeah, plays on the radio, and you just and we just start playing along with it, and it's easy to us. And they're like, "But you don't. How do you know?" How? I know <laughs> to them, it's, that's it's amazing. Crazy. Like, um, because I teach instrumental music through the week, and um, one of the schools there's like there's the classroom music, and then there's the instrumental music. They're like different things. And mm. so you know, I'll be doing the band rehearsal in the morning with all the kids. And that's in the music teacher's room. And at the end, when the kids are all packing up, like I'll often just go over to the piano, start jamming or something, and the kid bass player will play along. Or And like I'll just start improvising some stuff, like nothing hard, just, you know, sort of showing off to the kids like, hey, this is the kind of stuff you can do. And like the music teacher's like, oh, how do you do that? Like how do you – I've never been able to do that. Like she's, I think she said something like that. I've never been able to do it. And it's like I was kind of thinking like it's a totally different world. Like to me that that's what you do. Yeah. And the, the reading thing is the hard thing. You know, she's just the opposite. It's like, yeah, you know, it's just a, it's a totally different way of seeing music and relating to it. Because I, I had some piano lessons, again, when I was, same as you, probably like four or five. And the only thing I remember is it was the Suzuki method, which I think oh, yeah. is <laughs> – learning to play by ear or something yeah so but i only like i can't remember but I, I think i did less than like 10 lessons maybe six or something i don't even remember but obviously i learned how to play by ear from that because i can yeah and i always have been able to since since then so and the same with guitars well, see, you know, i remember, guitar I, lessons. remember in, I just picked up guitars and started playing it i also remember kids in high school easy i remember kids in high school who would be having piano lessons and they just like it would be it'd be like a robotic thing they would just learn these oh, really yeah. complex songs and you'd listen to them play like, holy shit, that's like taking a lot of practice, a lot of time. But then they just had no concept of chords or improvising or 
And again, it's just a totally different thing. And they just be amazed at the idea. Oh, you're just making that up. It's like, yeah, it's not that hard. It's just, you know, plonking the chord and just sort of playing along on the scale. But to them, it's like, can't do that. That's like, what? But listening but then to I, those I, robots play, it's like, yeah, they learnt this really fancy thing, tricky, hard thing to play. But there is like zero emotion or feeling in it. And it's so obvious when someone else plays exactly the same thing. Who, yeah. It's totally different. Yeah. And you can hear it. You can hear someone who plays some. It's like someone who studies for a test and mm. they're just memorizing shit. They don't, they're not learning it. You yeah. just memorize it all. And then you're, you go into the test, you shit it all out again. And then it's gone yeah. from your head. You've learned nothing. Yeah. It's, see, I remember doing like piano thing. lessons, uh, doing like piano, um, you know, grading every year kind of thing. And, and it'd be the same thing. You'd, you'd learn the piece, you'd get it right. And like a robot, you'd do it. And then after that, you'd never play the song again. And it's like all of those songs are completely gone from my memory. I have no idea what I played or what songs they were. Mm. But alternatively, like something like chords and scales and all that sort of stuff, that'll always be with me. It'll never, like, that's just, I can't even see myself forgetting that stuff. It's just part of me. Whereas those songs that you learn, they just go. Mm. So when, what, so you learn piano first? Yeah. And then um, what? Everything and I started, well, trumpet in grade four, just <laughs> as part of the standard school music program. <laughs> and I think, um, you know, because I had that piano background, it was like, I just fell into it. Just think, well, this isn't, this isn't hard. This is pretty easy. And then I remember mm. at the end of primary school, my, um, like I knew I was pretty good, but I wasn't like, like I was kind of, actually, no, I, I think even back then I sort of thought music, something I always want to do. Um, and I remember my, uh, primary school teacher was kind of trying to poach me to get to the, his high school, the one he was teaching at, uh-huh. which he kind of did. Uh, so yeah, it's, I don't know. I sort of like, I sort of known ever since I was a kid that I wanted to do music as a career in some way. I mean, so instrumental music teaching, you know, when that came along, it's like, I'm not going to turn that down. Like I, like I had some piano lessons when I was tiny, but then I hardly played piano after that. And it wasn't until probably early nineties. So I must've been like, I don't know, 14, 15, I started playing guitar and then keyboard again. And that's when I actually really started to play things. Mm. And I guess because I had those piano lessons when I was tiny, even though I, in my brain, I didn't remember anything about it, but I must have learned it because I could play ear. Unless that's just a natural thing you can do anyway. I don't know. Yeah. I really think it was good. I think the earlier you teach kids, the better with music, I think. Mm. It's like anything really. Yeah, totally. It, It just becomes, that's just what we do in life, you know? Well, there's all those studies about, you know, the kids' brains are the best between this age and this age. That's yeah. when they just take everything straight into their brain yeah. and learn it, not just yeah. like later on. Like when I was at school, I learned Italian and French and Spanish and German. Like years and years and years, I did all of them. They were all pretty similar, so it wasn't that hard. But I think if I tried to learn another language now, it's, it's not yeah. going to be easy. Not at all. But then yeah, it was like, ah, this is this is a piece of piss. It's so easy. And the funny thing is you learn that in like, you know, when you're 15. And then once you leave school, you're done. You, you didn't do anything. And then years later, you know, you go to Spain, you go to France, and you just start talking because it's in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, I couldn't do that. It's weird how that works. I never learned a language. I, mean, I didn't learn it properly. Like we did like German in primary school where it was like a half hour lesson a week and that sort of thing. So I never like learned it properly. Mm. I wish I had it though. Well, the thing is, it's when I was at school, that was the, those languages I just said, that that was your only choices. They were the only choices, but I wish I could have learned like Japanese or Malaysian or Korean or something else, not just here's your standard European language that you learn yeah. at school. <laughs> it's now funny, you actually, can um, learn Thai, you can learn Chinese, you can learn anything now, Indonesian, whatever you want. It's funny, like I was talking about this, someone who was like, oh, how do you, how did you learn how to play all these instruments? How do you do that? Like that just mind blowing to me. And I'm like, this person knows like two or three languages. And I'm saying, how can you speak to me? Like learning another language is just mind boggling. Cause it's like, <laughs> if I had to think all of the words and you know grammar and everything I know about English that just has taken years to then start all over, it's like, how on earth do you learn a second language? It just, it's mind boggling to me. But to them, it's like, oh, it's mind boggling. How can you learn to play a second instrument? You know? Oh, it's funny. The brain is magical. It's weird, eh? Hey? It, it does like, some things. It's so weird. Like details, things like, um, you know, talking about prints or um, as soon as you say a year, like 1992, my, the first thing I think of, I bought. Oh, it's Diamonds and Pearls. Prince album. <laughs> symbol, what are you talking about? And Symbol, Symbol album. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Diamonds and Pearls uh, tour. Yeah, you know what you mean? So it's like. October, album up. release, Symbol album. <laughs> yeah, so it's like even years, like my first association like if someone tells me a year between 1978 
in 2016. <laughs> as soon as my first thought is going to be, oh, that's the year Batman came out, or that's the year Gold yeah. came out, or something. It's so funny. That's what I remember. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I do pretty much the same thing. Isn't that weird? Like, if someone says 1987, yeah, I'll think Sign of the Times, but I also think Bad as well. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's the same with um. A Miles Davis stuff. I'm probably a bit rusty now, but like someone could say a year there as well. And I used to be able to say, oh, who was in the band at what time? And you know, what album came out that year? And it's crazy. Oh, when I had a title, when I, when, when title was the thing where Prince was, when he was here, they had all the James Brown albums, like the original albums, not all the millions of compilations, which were out. Yeah. So I, one by one, went through. Yeah. But, um, Dude, that's another uh, artist I was talking before, like when I was talking about the Beatles, like that's another one as well. It was hard to kind of, someone growing up after it, it's hard to put it back together. Yeah. Like cause you, there's so much crappy James Brown stuff as well, to be honest. Yep. There's, um, there's and, probably more compilations and live dodgy, you know, just made by whatever company releases yeah, from the 80s, than there, are, than the there are original albums. Yeah. And that's what I worry about with Prince as well is like, are they going to release a heap of stuff from like 2004 to, you know, 2016? I mean, as, as great as some of that stuff is, it, it is, you know, he's personally physically not as capable as he used to be and he's starting to get a bit reductive in his songwriting and this kind of thing. So it's kind of like if that's the kind of thing that the new generation being born now are going to be, oh, that's who Prince was. It's, I don't know. We are talking about this earlier. We can move on. I don't think that's going to happen though because they they seem to be just totally obsessed with Prince is Purple Rain. So Yeah, that's true. If they if they ever get off that, then they'll probably just move on to Sign of the Times. Yeah. And then they'll be stuck on that for another 10 years. But that's good because then we can wear the Peach and Black podcast. <laughs> then we can go, hey, that's us. Sign of the Times, Peach and Black. That's it. Mm. We'll be there. Oh. But uh, getting back to music... What were we talking about music? So, yeah, and I think it was Playing probably music, like grade... Listening to music? Grade 10 or 11. I remember thinking... Oh, no, it definitely would have been 10. And I remember thinking, oh, shit, I've only got a couple of years. What am I going to do? Well, I'm pretty mm. good at this trumpet thing if I really kind of push that for these last couple of years. And thankfully, um, the school I went to was like one of the first schools to have this music extension program put in, which I think most schools have it now in Queensland. But back then it was like one of the first trial schools or something. Mm. Uh, and so I did that, which was like pretty intense. And then doing that got me into uni to do study um, at the conservatorium. Yeah. And then mm. just playing in bands and stuff since then. So did you, after school, after the study, you had to, you went and did normal jobs as well? Or did you go straight oh, yeah, to- I was like, I'm going to teach music. Yeah. No, I was working at like Kmart and coffee club, you know, while oh, I was yeah, studying. Oh, yeah, coffee club. And, yeah. And then actually when I, when, I start, when I finished the degree, that's when I went over to England to live in England for a couple of years. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And that's, I was like working in pubs, you know, doing like Aussies work. Yeah, that's what, that's what you do. Go and work that's, at the pub. And, yeah, and I'm not repeating the Prince story. <laughs> I'm not repeating, repeating the missing the Aussie tour story. I've told that story a thousand times on the show. Yeah, and going to the Prince parties. Yeah, no, that I was went cool. to one. I, I went. Was, I told you I went to one, and it must have been around 2002. But you, now that was before you were there, wasn't it? That was just before, yeah. Because yeah, I went to one, and it, I think it was just a. No, maybe it was even 2001. Because I think it was like a like a. I think it was a Rainbow Children listening party. I can't remember. Okay. But yeah, that's the only one that I went to. And it was like underground. It was like downstairs in like yeah, a yeah. basement club or something. I remember just being amazed. But the ones I went to, most of the time, they're just like regular meetups, you know. And I remember kind of going along and there's like 20, 30 people there. And like everyone's just obsessed talking Prince fans, talking about. And it's just like, you know, coming mm. from Australia, especially in Brisbane, where it's like there's hardly a Prince fan between here and Sydney. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, I mean, they are there, but, you know, they're not like the hardcores. It's just like, oh my God, these are my people, you know, my people. <laughs> They're all talking about like, you know, the, you know, halfway through the song, you know, love sexy or something and like, you know what love sexy is. Oh my God. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I remember like that was, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of bootleg trading going on there as well. So, and like that would happen every week. So that became like, because I didn't know anybody else, it was like, that was like my social thing to do most weeks. Yeah. I did other social things in London, which involved raves and, copious amounts of LSD, but that's probably why my brain is so <laughs> stuffed now. Wow. Like every weekend without fail for like wow. at least a year and a half. <laughs> but that, yeah, that was fun. But I was doing that in Sydney before I went to England. It's not like it started there. Yeah, okay. hmm. yeah the good old days. Oh, my brain. Yeah, my brain's not great. I, like I, I remember all these print dates and all these useless things, but then, you know, what did I do last week? Not a clue. Just I think that's, I'm finding that as well now. Like, my latest obsession is like collecting books on religion, basically. And like, oh, I just segue. Here we go. Old. Segue right there. <laughs> 
like I'm finding with my memory, like, you know, cause I've always had certain things, any point in my life, there's always something I'm, I'm obsessed with, you know, whether it was Miles Davis recordings or print stuff, or I was obsessed with um, basketball statistics at one stage where I had to get every single statistic oh, yeah. from every year and analyze them all. And, and so the last couple of years, it's been religious books on like ancient history. And um, I just find I can't hold the material in my head. Like I'll read it. And then like, mm. I'm like, oh, what was he on about? Like, I just can't hold the material. Whereas like all that Prince stuff and all those basketball statistics, they're all still there. That's all in there. They're always going to be there. Yeah. It's like there's there's no more space left. It's like it's just brains just overloaded with, you know, mundane details. Useless information. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like that. Like, yeah, trying to, like I said, if you tried to learn a language now or you tried to even just reading a book and just getting that information in your head. It's yeah. a lot harder than it used to be. Yeah. Like you can read it and you'll understand it. You'll get it. But then like, say three weeks, it's like, it's just gone. Like, oh, what was that idea again that that guy was talking about? Oh, it's gone. Mm. Yes. You know, some people, when they read a book, they go through with like a highlighter and a pen and they like circle yeah, yeah. 20 words on every page and like sentences yeah, yeah. and like, which that's fine. If that's what you want to do, if that's the way you're going to learn it better then fine. I mean, you can, then you can go back and look at that page and like, oh, there's the main idea in that page right there. I highlighted it. Great. Don't need to yeah. read the whole page. But when I, the way I grew up, you don't write in a book. Maybe you write your name in the front of the book, but you don't put a pen on that paper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm the same with that. It's like, yeah, I no don't way. Like doing that's that. not right. That's like, it's like graffiti. You just don't do that. Yeah. But see, that's, we're just old. Someone probably two years younger than us will be like, of course you write in a book. Yeah, it's that's all online you, anyway. That's, Who cares? that's what you do. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I don't write in a book. And you never used to write in your, your school books because then you couldn't sell them to next year. <laughs> Yeah, he'd always have like three books in interview. I didn't need that thing. Kids do that to me now. They're like, Mr. Bignall, are we ever going to use this book? And it's like September. And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll get around to that. <laughs> that $80, that $80 book you, you bought. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, textbooks are so expensive. That's why you never wrote in them. <laughs> yeah. Because at the end of the year, you could just sell them to the next year that the kids from yeah, yeah. Uh, get, some, get some money back. Anyway, religion. Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know much about religion. I'm not religious. I did go to Christian, a couple of Christian schools in my early years, but it never had any effect on me. Mm. You sat there, Christian education. You sat there and they talked about all the stuff. I don't remember any of it. None of it went in my brain. Mm. But all the other useless things did. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I just got right, like, um, I got right into it like a few years ago now, quite a few years ago now, probably like 2009, 2010. Just, I think what it all started actually was I was doing my prac, like prac teaching. And so I was in like a grade six class or something and the RE teacher came in and I'm like, oh yeah, I sort of vaguely remember the RE classes when I was a kid. And, you know, I was the teacher, you just let this young Religious education. Class. Yeah. And I remember just sort of sitting there, sort of watching the lesson and just thinking, this is ridiculous. Like what they're t- what this person's <laughs> saying. And the thing that really got to me is it wasn't what she was saying about her religion, which was ridiculous. It was what the kids were putting up their hand and saying, oh, what about this religion? And I think one of them, I think might've even been about Jehovah's Witnesses. I remember someone's asking a question about Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, what do they believe? And I knew a little bit about Jehovah's Witnesses from all the Prince stuff, you know, because getting into all that references that he was throwing yeah. out there and everything. And I, I can't remember what she said, but I remember she said something and I remember thinking, that's not actually correct. That's not what they believe. They believe something else. And I remember yeah. just thinking, I can't believe I'm sitting here in a supposedly an educational setting for kids. And this person who hasn't done a, a teaching just, degree, like I mm-hmm. have, is just telling them this bullshit, like tell, just telling them yeah. stuff that just wasn't untrue. And, and that's when I started getting into it and thinking, this is just weird. And I remember I started going along to like you know, Christian groups and just started questioning them. Like, why do you believe this stuff? And I just, I just got fell right into it. Like, um, mm. It becomes it's well yeah, it's it a, a it's a never ending like. it's a never ending pool of information. There's always gonna be more stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. You're never gonna so run out of things. Just, uh, and then the thing that I <laughs> that I really got into was because you know, you often often you're speaking with these educated fundamentalist Christians and they're telling all this stuff about ancient history, about oh, this is you know, this is attested to in the writings of so and so and blah blah blah. And and so you start, you think, well, uh, is it? So you go and look it up. And you, so I started to develop a bit, a bit of an interest around sort of like the historical question of how did Christianity begin? Like that's kind of mm. the, the big question because, and it's a big, it's a massive mystery. Like there's so many ifs and buts and is that text reliable? What, what's it, when was it written? Who yeah. wrote it? How reliable is it? There's just so much of that stuff. And there's a million scholars writing a million things from a million different mm. points of view. 
that it just yep. becomes like it's for me like as the collector as the oh I can get obsessed with something this is just like candy you know? <laughs> like <laughs> it's like oh I've read this guy now I've got to read what he thinks about it now I've got to read what he thinks about it mm. and this guy over here he thinks the complete opposite like oh and it's like you've got to know what all of them think you know in order to say so, uh. Yeah, it just, I really find it fascinating. Like, it's such an interesting question. Like, because it starts, it really starts, you really start thinking about how do you know what happened in the past? Like, what is a reliable methodology for saying this happened 2000 years ago? This is what happened. Or this, yeah, it's like, so then he's saying, okay, well, it's impossible. You can't know. Forget it. There's no way you can know. But then you start asking, okay, what's most likely? And that's when you start getting all these historians trying to put the puzzle back together. And of course, everyone does it in different ways. And everyone has, but then still, no, there's always, yeah. there's always going to be gray areas and cracks and you think, well, actually mm. he's pretty good, but he's got a big crack there and something's, something's not fitting there, you know, like he's trying to force this bit and, but then you, you but read then someone when else who tries 97% to of people, yeah. yeah, but when 90, you know, 97% of people say, you know, this happened this month. You're like, okay, if, you know, yeah, exactly. 700 yeah. different people all say that that happened then, it probably did. Yeah. But then you get a few others who are like, well, I found a pot and it had a name on it. Yeah. And so maybe not. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, like, here's a, here's a great, good example. Like um, King David, you know, supposedly lives 1000 BC. So what's the earliest evidence for him? It's like, a, it is, it's a pot from like two or 300 years later that says something about go. the house of David, something about the house of David. And then like a hundred years after that, you start getting written texts about who this David guy was. And so it's like, what do you do with that? Do you say the guy mm. existed or was it just a myth or, or like, and it's not because it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's, there's just a million different ways to put that puzzle back together. <laughs> like it just becomes really fascinating. I don't, I don't know if I told you this already, but my friend Darren Graham back in episode seven, I think of this podcast, he wrote a book. I think I've told you this before. He wrote a book about, I think it's called the early Christians or the first Christians. And that okay. book goes back I think he, the idea of it is he tries to prove, you know, you can't prove it, but to show all the links with historical facts that, you know, this thing happened in the Bible. Mm. Like, you know, this person did this thing and like, there's actually proof. There's like, there's a, like a a brick or whatever that proves that that happened there. Mm. So that's, that's an interesting thing as opposed to just, you know, the Bible, which is just a story, which was written by many people hundreds of years after it happened. Yeah. But he did like, he did a whole, like a PhD in like religious studies. Oh yeah. Yeah. And um, what's his name? He he was at Darren Graham. I'm going to look him up. (laughs) D-A-D-A. Just go to episode seven of Captain Says. Okay. But yeah, it's funny. Like, you know, the big question is the whole Jesus question. Like what happened there? And um, there's so many different schools of thought. So like probably the main one, and this is probably the one I think as well, is is the idea that the guy was like an apocalyptic preacher who's basically saying the world is going to end. You better get right. You know, it's going to happen like any minute now. And then, of course, which, it doesn't happen. Which sounds like which sounds like those crazy guys like with the, exactly. the board, the end is nigh. And yeah, everyone exactly. just thinks that's, they're that's absolute the nutcases. <laughs> yeah, that's the idea. That's kind of, that's probably that's what the core of the tradition is. Wow. And then, of course, it doesn't happen. And then they start, oh, no, he came back from the dead and blah, blah, blah. And it just it snowballs from there. Like that's kind of the, the main, that's kind of the, um, mm. the consensus of historical scholarship, I guess you'd say. But then you start getting these other theories about um, say, oh, no, he was more of a like just a sort of a hippie, a political activist, this kind of thing. And, and all the apocalyptic stuff, that's from later. Like that's from 40 years later when the Jewish war was happening and people put it on his lips, you know. And then you get and he had saying, and oh, he no, had no, no. blue eyes and blonde hair. He was Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, and he, he looked getting... like um, he was Middle Eastern, obviously. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, then you get like you know these other more conspiracy theory kind of things where like oh it was all invented by Constantine in the year three hundred or something. It's like ah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and then you start getting sort of more. I wouldn't say conspiracy, but like kind of more credible, uh, what they call like mythicist ideas. Like, you know, the idea that the original crucifixion was something in the heavens that then people made a story about on earth and all this sort of thing. So yeah, it's just fascinating, like how, how you put all the pieces back together and everyone's got a different opinion and it becomes like this big um, ink blot test. You know how, you know, those ink blots yeah. you're supposed to say, oh, what do you see? And it's becomes like that. Like you, you, the butterfly you just happen to notice thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, uh, so here's all the pieces. What do you see? You know, mm. and everyone's trying to justify it. Everyone's trying, oh, here's the reasons why. You know, here's my methodology. And here's why my methodology is 
superior to that other guy who got it wrong. You know. <laughs> So obviously, you know, you've talked to a lot of people who believe religious things. Yeah. yeah. The actual Bible, Christian Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, do a lot of them believe that everything in there is true and it happened? Or is it lots of metaphors and, you know, it, he, it says this, it says, you know, don't kill your wife, but it, it doesn't yeah. actually mean well, whatever. You really have What's to. What's the answer to that? Well, you really you have to look at it. At was an there a talking basis. snake like, and all that stuff and the burning well, bush, or was it just a metaphor for something? You won't find any consensus on that. Like even people that would yeah. consider themselves believers, you say to me the question of believer non-believer it just sort of doesn't make any sense anymore because everyone's got a different opinion, and so you have to just look at it individual by individual. And mm -hmm. like you know, there will be people that call themselves Christians. They say, I'm a Christian. I'm, I have come from the Christian tradition. But then you ask them about the miracles. And they're like, they don't believe any of the miracles. You know, they recognize <laughs> that there's problems. In it. They, they say, yeah, there's contradictions. There's, you know, that didn't happen. This was made up, of course. But they consider themselves Christian in the sense that that's their tradition that they've come from. Then, of course, mm. you get, then, then that's one extreme. Then you get the other extreme. So, so, you know, they're basically atheists, but they just, they call themselves Christians because it's part of their tradition you know the western tradition so to speak and then of course the other extreme to that is like the fundamentalists who are just like everything is true everything is literally true mm. and then so you just imagine that as two extremes and then you just imagine every single variation you could have within those two extremes and that's basically what's out there like i mean yeah. like most of the most of the people who go out you know on a weekend night to preach the gospel in the streets like they're gonna they're gonna be your fundamentalists who do think that they're really was an Adam and Eve and all this sort of stuff. There really was a talking snake. But I think like there's also a lot of other groups that you know, say the step before the fundamentalist would be, you know, people who believe that say Jesus really did rise from the dead or something like that. But they still say, oh yeah, there's chronological problems. The stories, you know, there's mm. some, they were writing, they were writing what they understood 40 years later. So there might be some mistakes in there, but he really did walk, he did really did rise from the dead or he really did walk on water or something like that. The, the mm. old like, um, oh, it's like a detective story. You know, everyone has different perspectives. And they Who done it? Oh, because they've got because they've got <laughs> different perspectives. Therefore, we can say it was it happened. it's a never-ending thing with no answers. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's it's still fascinating. It's like the never-ending candy well of. So, what about years. the different versions of the Bible? Like As I know, there's like there's the new King James, the new new all the all new and improved King James. Yeah. Why is that one well, better think, than eight different other versions? Well, is it just translations? Yeah, something like the New King James Version would basically just be the King James Version updated with modern language. Ah. So the problem with the King James Version is it's basically something that was commissioned in like the 1600s or 1400s. I'm getting confused. You're somewhere around there. And um, based and, and they're based, they based it off, you know, manuscripts and all. There was like four manuscripts, ancient manuscripts that they based it off to make this thing. And yet, the, you know, since then, since like modern archaeology, they've found like thousands more earlier, better more ancient manuscripts of the texts that Ooh. actually show, well, actually, you know, these are all earlier versions. And so therefore they're superior if you're trying to get back to what, you know, the text originally said that it would show that actually that bit in the King James version wasn't in the original. It was added later at some point, you know, so, oh. but then you'll have, obviously then you'll have sects of fundamentalists that'll be like, no, no, no. The King James Bible is the, is the inspired one. Whereas some say other more slightly liberal Protestants will be like, nah, the King James Bible was, you know, it has some problems with it. There's bits in it that probably weren't <laughs> original and all this sort of thing. And so I think, I think most, um, most Bibles today will be like, there's like this massive worldwide translating team called the Nestle Arland Greek text. And it's basically like scholars from all around the world. And they're trying to reconstruct as best they can what the earliest attainable form of the text was. And so most Bibles today uh, will, be based, will be translated from that. So like Because the, standard, the earliest version, everything after that is just another translation, which could get uh, wrong. And then the next one could be wrong. And the next one could be wrong again. Yeah. But going back to the earliest one, that's yeah, got to be so like the most actually, original pure copy of it. Yeah, so they don't have the originals of any. Like, the first, you know, when oh, you start yeah, getting yeah. manuscripts, it's, it's already like 100 years later. Like if I'm just talking about the New Testament kind of thing. Mm. Uh, it's already 100 years later. So who knows what's happened in that 100 years before that. But so often in the early stuff, it's not so much translations, it's, it's variations. So they're, they're all, they're writing in Greek, but there's variations between the two manuscripts. And then you have to like, you know, one has a story, one doesn't have a story. Uh, one says Jesus was, was mad. One says he wasn't mad. And it's like, so which is earlier? And so they try and, you know, come up with kind of hypothetical ways to solve these kind of problems. Like, why would he so, be mad? <laughs> yeah, oh, see, I, I like, couldn't get into, yeah. 
I couldn't get into something <laughs> like that, which which was it's just all opinion, really. Like well, every yes single no. person is. I mean, see, for me, it's got to be it's it's this or it's not. It's, bla- it's it is, black and I mean, white. They can't, you know. And not, then every other person has a different opinion on that thing. It's like, well, but yeah. that's the fact is right there. I don't care what you how you translate that in your brain, but that's that's what it is. I yeah. could never get into something like that, which is just because if I started, I would never stop. I would I would die yeah, before I got anywhere. That's the problem. <laughs> but, I mean, like say say a problem like that, they would start, you know. You would you could start to construct a, how do we solve these kind of problems? Well, it's probably more likely that someone changed it from something bad to something good than the other way around. So you'd mm. probably say, okay, so the earlier one would would probably have said you can't know again. But you'd probably say, well, they so say they it's what they call the the criteria of the harder reading. So if you get two of the earliest and they're like, you generally go with the one that is a bit harder because generally speaking, that the tendency is for when they change it, they change it to make it sound better. They tend to make Jesus yeah. more in control of things and, and less aggressive and angry and this sort of Make thing. him look good. Yeah, exactly. So it's like you're trying to rewind the propaganda. It's, it's um, what's it called? Revisionism? Yeah. Go back and just rewrite everything to make you look good or yeah. make someone look good. Mm. Well, that's an interesting thing. Yeah. So know. if anybody my... wants to argue with Toe Jam, <laughs> where can they? Are you on Twitter? No, you're not on Twitter. You're I the one of us blog, that isn't actually. on Twitter. Oh. I did start a blog. Go. Where is it? Everyone go there. It's called Jesus Tweezers. <laughs> one word. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm going to go there and ask questions. <laughs> I don't think anyone's posted on there yet. I've just been putting stuff up as I go. I haven't really been advertising it yet. <laughs> oh, this is it. This is your chance. 50 people. Go there now. Because I know on on prince.org there's like a religion section and you're in there oh yeah i was <laughs> but i haven't been on that on prince.org one for ages see there was a Jesus. that was well there was basically on prince.org there was myself this other guy who used to be called um ducky chucker and um enrg and so enrg is basically a catholic fundamentalist ducky chucker was kind of in the middle but very very like learned like both of those guys know their stuff and then you had myself, who's basically the atheist. And it was kind of like the podcast where we just go through post after post and like it'd be me and Ducky Chucky versus Ian and then those two against me or... Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it did get a bit, it got a bit tedious there after a while. <laughs> there we go. Jesus tweezers. Picking away at issues related to Judeo-Christian origins. Fun, fun, fun. Hi there. Oh, look, it's even got your real name on there. We won't say that. People will find it if they go there. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Woohoo. I think we're just about to we're run out of time. Yeah, we've been going for a while. <laughs> like there's a time limit on a podcast, but we've run out of time. That's it. That's all we've got time for. <laughs> oh, uh, thank you for allowing me a good hour or two to vent about the old days and um, <laughs> modern technology and religion. and It's all there. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, we've got to do it again. It's good. Yeah. Play is done too. So you can do two. You can do another one. Yeah, I'm always keen. All good. Okay. Thank you very much. That's the end. Ah, don't and forget here, to check out my band. Don't forget to check out. Oh, my oh God! Oh, plug plug everything. Cheap fakes. Playing at a, they a website. They got a website. Cheapfakes.com. They got a website. Yep. Maybe a .au. I can't remember. Remember. Cheapfakes.com.au. There it is. If you go to cheapfakes.com, that website is available. So <laughs> if you want to buy it, go for it. <laughs> New album, Deep Space, out now. Purchase in store. There you go. It's a very good album. There's a picture on the website. I'm guessing that's album cover. Uh, let me have a look. I've been to the website for a while. Yeah. It's a big black and white in front of some factory or something. Oh, yeah, that's down at the uh, Gold Coast somewhere. But see where they've got cheap fakes. It just covers all your faces. There we go. Just move it up like two (laughs) centimeters and you can see the people. Ben, the short guy, he's he's, he's fine. He's fine. see him. He's fine. (laughs) And look, you're the only one with the instrument there. I know. And I'm the only one without a suit jacket. I got down to the photo shoot and everyone's in suits. I'm like, ah, damn it. You didn't tell me. Oh, well. There you go. Cheapfakes.com.au. And Jesus Tweezers. I'll put the links. People can, yeah, they'll see it. Okay, that's the end. Now, the, look, the song we started the show and the song we end with, it's Shoot the Duck, which was the original Peach and Black theme song before you made the real theme song. <laughs> I'll have to incorpor- incorporate some Shoot the Duckness in the new one. Just one duck quack somewhere and a shooting hmm. with all the fat sins, just a <laughs> duck, <laughs> just quack at the end. <laughs> Oh, you know, at the end, if you do the same end with the dun 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 quack, <laughs> that'd be good. <laughs> and, then, and then shoot. <laughs> hmm. And welcome, welcome. Yeah. Okay, the end. Thank you. Goodbye. All right. Oh, that was good. That, yeah, that was good. Good, good. Shoot the duck.